0: Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. And good morning. It's great to be uh, in worship. As Carolyn mentioned, this is the beginning of our kind of mini-series, Do One Thing, and we're focusing on on prayer this morning. And um, the reality is, um, I'm quite sure if you're anything like me, you probably feel the same way. I wish I was a better prayer. I I wish that I um, did uh, this whole prayer thing better than I do it. Now, I'm not talking about using all the right words or becoming some sort of skilled samurai swordsman in prayer. Uh, I'm quite sure Jack probably would want to do that, but not me. And uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the skill of the right words. But I am talking about I wish I was more consistent and less sporadic. I I wish I was more focused and less distracted. I I wish I was more passionate and less lethargic. And and I, I wish I was more selfless in my prayers than selfish in my prayers. I wish I did this prayer thing better. And if you're anything like me, which I believe you are, you probably feel the same way. You wish you could be a better prayer. I I mean, I really do want to keep company with Jesus and trust that he is working while I pray. I I really do want to live uh, with a more, a greater awareness of God's presence in my life. I wish I was better at prayer, and I think you probably would say the same thing. I, I, I wish I could practice a sense of stillness so that the busy and out of my busy and out of control life can be kind of quelled and quieted. Uh, I I wish I could learn better to listen to God when I pray. Now again, if you're anything like me, which I believe you are, you probably feel the same way. You wish you were better at this thing called prayer. I, I wish I could hold the scripture in my heart and pray it back to God just at the right time. But the reality is, is that I forget and I don't and I respond out of my flesh many times as opposed to the spirit. And I, again, I I, I just wish I did prayer better. And if you are honest with yourself, you probably wish you did as well. I I wanna, I, I actually really want to Focus on God and not be worried about the outcomes. Did he, is he going to answer my prayer as opposed to did, did I really connect with him today? I wish I was better at prayer. And that, that's the preacher saying it, right? That's the preacher. If the, if the preacher is saying that, I, I, I can imagine what goes through your mind when you pray. Man, I wish I was better at this thing called prayer. I, I don't know about you. I, I want to grow In my prayer life, I want to grow and I want to, again, not to be so better that I use all the right words, but better in terms of connecting with God. So, so prayer, we all know that prayer is important. It's, it's, it's essential in developing our relationship with God. We all, I think we all know that. I think if, if, I think if we polled the entire room today, we would all agree that prayer is important in our growth, and I would dare say that, that research also says that when you and I pray, there's something that uh, physically and emotionally and mentally that it impacts us in a positive way. But I think we would all say we, we would agree that prayer is important to us. But I wanna, what I want to do, I want to focus on a way we pray today that, that I think it's fundamentally essential that I think might help all of us, and it might fuel our prayer lives and take it to a next level. Now, before we actually get into how do we actually do it, there, I think there are some prayers that we, the way we pray, we have to unlearn some ways in which we pray. Types of prayers that we pray that, that might make our prayer lives less effective rather than more, more effective. And so I've kind of labeled these um, is some of the ways we pray. So one of the ways we pray, we have, I I, have, I called vending machine prayers. So vending machine prayers is, is we approach God like a consumer. I drop my coin in and I manipulate a few buttons and once I manipulate a few buttons, then my famous Amos cookie should come out. My Twizzlers should come out. That's kind of what we have in mind, in that somehow we stand before God in the the beginning of the day and say, huh, let me see what I want today. I think I want a husband today, or I think I want a wife today. I want a promotion, or I want a brand new car. And we drop our coins into the proverbial cosmic vending machine, and we expect what we want to come out, and God forbid if the famous Amos cookies get stuck in the little turn thing. We have a tendency to hit the machine and kick the machine and ultimately call for the manager or the maintenance person to say, hey, can you get me my, because this machine stole my money and I think we say the same thing about God. We, God, I, I, I went to church, and I read the Bible, and I prayed, and I did everything you asked me to do. I put the coins in the machine, and I still haven't gotten what I wanted. So vending machine prayers. I, I think there's also this genie-in-the-bottle kind of prayer that we pray and a genie and a bottle prayers is they're, they're basically, God is someone that I can control and manipulate. Rub the bottle. He's at my beck and call. I am not here to serve him. He is here to serve me. He should give me three wishes. And we want to hear God say, your wish is my command. So I think we get it wrong sometimes with the genie in the bottle prayers. I think we have also Christmas list prayers. We create an entire list. We view prayer as a long list of things that we want God to do for us. And we kind of remind him that I've been nice. I've been more nice than I have been naughty. So would you please fulfill everything on my Christmas list? So I think sometimes we view prayer as a, Kind of this Christmas list, but I think also we kind of uh, we have to unlearn a type of praying, and I'm calling these lazy boy prayers. Lazy boy prayers are: I pray and I expect God to do everything, and yet God has given us agency, and there sometimes God says, "I am not going to do it because I've actually given you the wisdom and the power to be an answer to your own prayer." So we pray prayers like this, God, I want to lose weight. God is not, I want, to be, I want to lose weight and I want to be more healthy. Guess what? God is not going to come and snatch the fork out of your hand. He is not. But what he has done, he's given you and me agency to say, hey, how can I live a better life, a, a, a more healthier lifestyle? We pray prayers like, God, I want to get out of debt, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God is not going to vaporize and cut up our credit cards and somehow get us out of debt. God says, I've given you wisdom to be a good steward over all of the resources that I've blessed you with. And so there's this sense where we pray and we expect God to do it all, and we sit back and we do nothing. And then there are emergency room prayers or emergency prayers. It's, it's the idea that I will only pray when I need God. I will only pray when there's an emergency. That is, when I'm in between a rock and a hard place, that's when I call on God and we pray kind of these emergency room prayers. When I'm in a jam, then that's when I'll pray. And then shotgun prayer. Shotgun prayers is a generalized way of praying and kind of like buckshots out of a shotgun. I am going to pray and spray my prayer pellets all over the place. Something has to stick at some point in time. And there's this sense where we are not directed and targeting our prayers towards some very specific areas of our lives. And so when prayer is generalized like that, God seems like a generalized God as opposed to a God who is very specific and very intimate and very aware of our lives in a very real way. And then, I, and then finally, I'm quite sure there are more. We can make a list, a longer list than this, but uh, quid pro quo. That is, God, I'll do you a favor if you do me one. God, if you do me a solid, I'll do you a solid. If you give me this thing, then I'll go to church at least four times a month, and I might throw in a Wednesday night on top of that as well. God, if you, if you do give me what I want, then I will serve in some sort of ministry, or I'll do whatever they ask me to do at that church, and I'll do it because you do me a favor, I do you a favor again, some of this may be over the top, but I believe there are people in our world who claim the name of Jesus who actually have this quid pro quo kind of relationship with God. And then we get upset with God when somehow in our minds where God has not kept his end of the bargain. And I think there's another way we kind of approach prayer. We kind of, these are prayers that we have to unlearn. But I think there's another, there are other postures we have to unlearn or at least not be distracted by or consumed by. And, um, and I think we are at many times. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you these words, give you these words, and I want you to write them down. They're going to come up on the screen, and then we'll talk about them a little bit. So what, when, where, why, and how. What, when where why and how what when where why and how i think sometimes we're consumed and distracted by what should i pray what should i pray what should i talk to god about what should i pray do um what what should i say and what should i do but i think also we get kind of consumed with the wind? Do I pray in the morning? Do I pray in the afternoon? Do I pray at night? What is the best time for me to pray? And I think we get distracted and consumed by that. I think the where of prayer gets kind of confusing as well. Somehow, if I pray in this space, then God hears a little bit better. Or if I pray in a, a, a more holy space, then somehow God will answer my prayers. And I think there's the why, the why of, you know, if God already knows, then why should I pray? So I think there's this sense where we get confused or consumed and distracted. With the why. I think we get confused and, and, and consumed and distracted with the how. Should I sit? Should I stand? Should I raise my hands? Should I genuflect? Should I bow before God? Is that somehow the, the way? Should I, should I do it that way? And somehow God might hear me better. Now, there's nothing wrong with these in and of themselves. All of these are focused on, here it is, results and outcomes. So, somehow, if I say all the right words, then God will give me what I want. If I pray at the right time, then somehow God will give me what I want. If I pray in the right place, then God will give me what I want. If I always pray with the right motives, then God will always give me what I want. If I pray in the right way, if I kneel, if I hold my hands up, if God could just tell me what He wants me to do, then I could please Him and then He can give me what I want. There's a sense where we're basing our prayers on the results that God will give us. So what I want you to do, I want you to do a strike through, you know, Microsoft, strike through or cross out, and I want you to cross out all of them. I'm not saying those aren't important. I'm just saying I want you to strike through all of them. You wrote them down. Say, well, Marvin, why'd you have us write it down if we were just going to strike through it? So write it down and strike through it. Because I think sometimes we are consumed and distracted by the results and we forget one of the most essential parts of prayer and that is who. That is who. So if the what, when, where, why, and how is focused on results, the who is focused on relationship. Thank you. She gave me an amen, a baby amen. It's focused on relationship. The who is always focused on the relationship. It's the most essential, the most important part about prayer. It's not how I do it. It's not the words that I say. And I think sometimes we are so distracted with all of the other that we forget who we're talking to. We're, we forget That we're talking to the God of the universe, and so it's about, it's concerned with relationship. I love what, this is what um, Abraham Joshua Heschel says, and I think it's so true. He said, the issue of prayer is not prayer. The issue of prayer is God. Sometimes I think we've made the issue of prayer prayer versus making the issue of prayer prayer. God. That is my connection with him. And I think Jesus actually helps us out. He helps the disciples out and he helps us out. And I think he helps us to raise our understanding about prayer. And that's really kind of what I want to, this idea, I want us to think about prayer as relationship. Prayer as relationship and not some rote thing that we do, not something that we have to get right all the time, or, or if I just say the right words and I do the right things, that somehow God is going to give me the results that I want. And so turn over very quickly to uh, Luke chapter 11, page 869, if you're looking on the Bible that the church provides, 869, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And so Jesus' disciples, I just want to focus on the first part of this verse. And so Jesus' disciples recognize their deficiency and their deficit in prayer, just like you and I recognize there's a gap in our what we want to do and what we actually do when we pray. I think they recognize the deficit and a gap, just like you and I. There's a deficit in my prayer life. I want to be a better prayer. I want to be better at this thing called prayer. And they recognize that gap and they said, Hey Jesus, like we saw John, John the Baptist's disciples, and, and John taught them how to pray. Hey, can you teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray? But I think it goes a little bit further. We see you praying, Jesus. We just saw you praying, and like you're, like, like you're connected to God. Can you teach us how to pray like that? And I think at the very essence of every single person in this room, that's really what we desire. We desire to read the Bible in such a way where God, we we hear God speaking to us. We desire to pray where we say, I feel connected to God. I am not just spraying pellets of prayer, and somehow they're stuck on the, the ceiling. And I feel even after I pray, I feel further away from God. I think everybody in this room, desire to feel, desire to, desires to feel connected to God. And so Jesus actually does something that was unthinkable during this time. He says, I want you to approach God not as some cosmic person in the sky, not some aloof person in the sky. I want you to approach him as father I want you to approach him with a familiar affectionate intimate kind of posture the reason why this was unheard of is because this was such an intimate and close and familiar way to approach god most of the religious leaders never approached god in this way They always viewed him as this distant being. Or, and, and God is holy, and we should recognize him as holy. And yet Jesus says, I'm, I'm talking to God as father, and because you belong to me, I actually want you to talk to God as father. This was, this was radical, and this was unthinkable. Unthinkable. Jesus is telling his disciples, just like a dependent child goes to their father and talks to their father and is intimate with their father and is saying, daddy, 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 this is the same way Jesus wants his disciples to talk to God. And the word that Jesus uses here is Abba, Abba, father. And it was, uh, it's, it's a word, it's an Aramaic word, and it was the most intimate way to approach, a child would approach uh, their father. And they would come running to their father, Papa, Daddy, Father. And it was one of the most intimate ways that a child. Could go. And this is exactly what Jesus is inviting all of us into not a transactional relationship with God, but a relational commitment to God, a relational uh, kind of connection with God. This is, in fact, the most fundamental part of prayer. It is not the how, it is not the why, it is not the where, it is not all of those things. The fundamental part of prayer is who am I talking to? I am talking to a God who is trustworthy. I am talking to a God who is, um, who is loving and forgiving. I am talking to a God, the big God of the universe, but he comes low and he comes and he connects with us. This is the God we're talking to. But there are days I think we treat God as a transaction, this quid pro quo, you give me what I want, I'll give you what you want. It's almost as if, please forgive me for the terminology, it's almost as if we're prostituting God. And God says, I am not your sugar daddy. I am not, uh, I am not, I'm sorry, did I I just say that? (laughs) Did I just say that in church? I'm sorry. (laughs) I am not that person. I am not that person. You know, it's interesting that Jesus invites them to say, Father. Intimate relationship. What he's also getting at here with this, term, this terminology, most religious leaders taught their students to pray a formulaic prayer. And if God didn't get, give you what you were asking for, You could use some different words, an incantation to somehow religiously twist God's arm. And once you have God in it, kind of twisted like a pretzel, then he has to give you this. So a lot of the rabbis taught their students to pray this way. And Jesus comes and he flips it and says, I want you to approach God, not a God who with a formula, but I want you to approach God as a loving and fearless and delightful child who comes to his father to say, God, I, Father, Abba, Father, I need you. I love you. So there's this sense where, he is turning this into something way different than his disciples actually had ever seen before. It's a common term that Jewish children use to approach their father. So here's, if you don't hear anything else, this is what I, this is, I I want you to hear this and I want you to hear this as clearly as I can say it. The way we view God is the way we will approach God. The way we view God is going to be the way we approach God. So, if we view God as a distant and uninvolved, uh, uninvolved, then our prayers will lack intimacy and passion. If we view God as a hard boss, we will approach him as an employee who just simply says, I will work tireless hours for you, boss, because I hope that I will get the the bonus at the end of the year. If we view God as a disciplinarian, as a principal who he calls into the principal's office, then we will approach God on eggshells. And we are, so hopefully, our behavior lines up with what the principal wants so we don't get in trouble. If we view God as a vending machine, then we will approach him as a transactional God, a consumer. We will be consumers. I'll put in my coins and. And hopefully, I'll get what I want. Check this out. If we view God as angry and punishing, we will approach him with anxiety. So Baylor Baylor Religion did a survey, and this is some of the data from the survey. People who approached God who looked at God as a punishing God they avoided connecting with him Here's a kicker People who viewed God as a punishing God they were more anxious after they prayed than before they prayed because they viewed God as punishing as angry And so Jesus teaches a lesson to reshape his disciples' thinking and our thinking about God. Because the way we view God will be the way we approach God. The way we view God will be the way we approach him. If we view him as a loving, forgiving father, we will approach him with gratitude and we'll approach him with vulnerability. If we view God as someone who is out for our best and our good, we will, we will approach him as a trusting father who knows the best for us. Your will be done, not mine. So the way we view God is going to be the way we approach God. And so I think Jesus wants to shift his disciples' thinking about God. So we were we were uh, we were in Detroit yesterday, and um, to visit Megan and Micah and Malia, we really weren't really there to see Megan and Micah. We were really there to see Malia, our granddaughter. Uh, they just came with a package because they're parents, and they have to they own her in a sense. So we had to visit them. We had to bring them food in order for us to see her. And so, um, so afterwards, we we went to go see uh, Michaela. All these M's, right? Malia, M- 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 Micah, Marvin, M- uh, and Michaela. So we went to go see Michaela. And so Michaela sent us earlier during the week, she sent us a note saying that she had registered for her final semester. And I am just waiting until she graduates so she can get out of our pockets. And, uh, <laughs> and so as I was looking at, the, as looking at our classes, I saw that she had um, a 3.7. So she's carried a 3.7, between the 3.7 and 3.8 for all of her collegiate uh, career, which I, I, I love. So, um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to hate me for this part, though. I said, so it's 3.7.9, and I said, so how, how come it's not a 3.8.0? <laughs> now I'm playing. Please listen. I am playing. But, but as I, was, as I was ironing this morning, as I got up and I spent time with God, it's like I have to text her to let her know that I was kidding because here it is, the way we view God is the way we, lo- we will approach him. And I think sometimes the way our kids view us is the way they approach us. So I started thinking, I hope she doesn't think that I- I'm saying that it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. I, she's, not, she's not thinking that I'm saying, oh, that, 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 that you didn't do a good job and that I'm not proud of you. And then she's our witty one. She said, now I could drop it down to a 360 if you want to. If you just want a round number, dad, if you want a round number, I can drop it down if you want to a round number. And so, uh, so I just said, I, I thought about it. So I wonder if this is the way we view God. Not enough, not enough, not enough. I got to do one more thing. I got to do one more thing. I got to pray one more prayer. I got to read one more verse. And we feel as if God is this martinet, this drill sergeant, other than this loving God who invites us into a deep relationship with him. And so Jesus invites his disciples to pray this prayer, Uh, our father or father. I think he does this, he, he, Jesus Jesus does this, and there are only three times, if you remember Katie, um, you know, Katie did uh, the word study, uh, invited us into word studies last week, and I want to invite you into the same thing, is there, there are three times where the double title, Abba, Father, is used in Scripture, only three times, here's one of them, this is Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and this is what it says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So what Jesus is doing, Jesus is about to die. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is struggling over the will of God in his life. He, he, he's he's going to commit, he's committing to it like your will be done, not mine. He is saying that, Abba, Father, I recognize that you love me. Abba, Father, I recognize that, that we have this connection and this communion. I Recognize that you're not distant, but you're close, and I am going to trust you in this moment with everything in me. So that's the first time. So so you and I have a God who says I'm inviting you to bring your pain, to bring your suffering, to bring your dark nights, the dark night of the soul, whatever you're going through right now, I invite you to call me Abba, Father, close connection, a close relationship, an intimate relationship where you and I can bring all that we are to this God. And he's promised to tend to us. So what Jesus needed here was not necessarily communication, he needed communion, and he had communion with the Father, and he says, I'm submitting to you. There are two other times in scripture, Romans chapter eight, verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, where we fear God, uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry. Here it is, our phrase, Abba, Father. In other words, the moment you and I surrendered our lives to Jesus, we became adoptive children in the family of God with every right, every privilege that God has for us. Now, here's the kicker. Everything that God gave to Jesus, because we are in the family of God, we have access to that as well. We have access to that. And there's a second one, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And because you are sons... And daughters, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Here it is again, Abba, Father. My friends, this is a massive invitation. It's an an invitation not to get stuff from God, which God says, I'll supply your needs. It's an invitation to be with God. It's an invitation to say, God, you are my father. And there are days where, you know something, we don't have to say anything. We don't have to ask for anything. We're just simply saying, I enjoy being with you. So I received this from, um, you know, we we. You know, every parent knows we receive text messages from our kids and it's always like, okay, what do they want now? What do they want now? They, they're going to ask for something. So I received this on Friday, and, um, and this is from uh, my firstborn, my namesake. He said, hey, pops, pretty sounds intimate to me, right? Hey, pops, thinking about you this morning. Just want to say I love you and I appreciate you. You're a great leader and a fantastic father. Hope you have a great day. And all of a sudden, stuff stuff started getting blurry and all started getting blurry. and, And I think the way I felt when I received this is the way the Father feels when we just come to Him and say, Hey, Pops, just thinking about you. I'm just stopping by this morning to say, I love you. I'm not asking you for anything today. I, I, you see all the needs that I have you see all the things that I, I have you, you know my needs but all I'm coming by to say is hey pops I love you and I think you are a great great father Thank you for letting me, thank you for awakening my heart so that I might know your son. Hey, Pops, thank you for loving me. Hey, Pops, thank you for getting me out of that jam. Hey, Pops, thank you for letting me know that you love me. Hey, Pops, all I'm saying is I don't want anything from you right now. All I'm saying is I just want to be with you. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to feel your presence. I just want to know that you're with me. Hey, Pops. If you really want to get serious about prayer, it's not about getting stuff from God. It is just being with God. It is abiding in his presence. It is letting him know that he is a good, good father. And this good, good father says, I know your needs. I know your needs. And guess what? When you least expect it, I'll meet that need. But the moment we start praying to get stuff from God, then I think God says, I wonder what, I, he, don't, he doesn't have to wonder. Look at their motives. Oh, they're going to church just to pray the prayer to get something from me. Oh, oh, they're, they're just praying the prayer to think that they're pulling the wool over my eyes to think I don't know what's really in their hearts. But when, you, when we are with him, he feels our heartbeats. When we are with him, he knows what's inside of our, our hearts and our heads. When we're with him, he pulls us close and he says, I know, I know the stuff at work is really hurting you right now. I'll be with you. I know the divorce really was, was painful. You never, ever thought that you would be divorced. And he'll come near and he'll say, I got you. I know the last, I know the last, um, the, the diagnosis the doctor just gave you. I know that you are wondering and you're worried and you are, uh, you're scared. He says, I got you. That's what communion with the Father does. But when we treat him like a distant God, we, don't know, we won't know that he's near. So again, the way we view God is the way we'll approach God. And here's where I'll stop. Dan Rather, CBS anchor, um, asked Mother Teresa one time, during, um, he asked her, "What do you say, or what, what, what did you, what do you say when, uh, when you pray?" She said, "I listen." So Dan rather turned the question and asked, "Well, well, then, what does God say?" Mother Teresa smiled and says with confidence and answered, "He listens." And for an instant, Dan didn't understand what to say, and she said, "If you don't understand that." I can't explain it to you. Communion sometimes is rarely about talking. And it's just about being and about listening. Now, Marvin, does that mean I can't tell God what I want? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But I think we get the train kind of backwards. We look for results before we engage in relationships when God invites us to relationship. And I think in the relationship, God gives us results. Results that will bring him glory. Results that will bring him honor. So, the way we view God is the way we will, determines the way we'll approach him. And right now, the worship team is going to lead us. They're going to lead us in um, running to the Father. I, I, I think we, We get to approach God as Abba Father. This is what I want you to do this week. I know it's going to feel awkward, but the Spirit of God will give you courage. He'll give you the words and the vision for God. And just this week, I just, when you pray, approach him as Abba Father. Say those words, Abba Father. Abba Father. When you pray this week, view God differently as your Father who cares it's so a father you can have confidence in, father that loves you, father that walks with you. And we're not shaping him into the image of our earthly father. He is, in fact, the perfect father. And we approach him in that way. So the worship team is going to lead us. And if you're here today, if you're here today, and you don't have a relationship with God, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you really can't call God father. Because that term is reserved for his children. Today, you can become a child of God. Run into his arms. Say, Jesus, I trust you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm repenting of my sins. I'm turning from my sins. I'm turning to you. I want a relationship with you through Jesus. And then you can call him Abba, Father. The most intimate term that believers can approach God with. So worship team, please lead us and lead us toward the father. And uh, just as you feel led, whether it's to, um, to bow, to kneel, to raise hands, whatever you sense the spirit of God is doing, this is the invitation for us to run into the arms of our heavenly father, our Abba father. We can call him Abba Father. And if you're here today and you need to run into his arms, our elders and prayer team members and deacons, if you can come forward now, if you need someone to pray with you, pray for you, they're going to be present to, to do that. If you here to if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the first step in being able to call God Abba Father is to trust his son. And Jesus, gave his death on the cross, his shed blood, his broken body opened the way for us to have that connection, that intimate connection with our, with our God. He is not some distant, aloof kind of God. He is present, he is near, he is loving, he is forgiving, he is kind, and he invites us into that kind of relationship. And so this week, this week, practice. Abba, Father. I guarantee you when you say Abba, Father, I'm not talking about an incantation. When you you say that with your heart, there's something that washes over us to say, I am talking to a God who loves me. I'm done preaching, but I I can't, I I gotta stop, but because I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this, that the God of heaven loves you. It's not a transaction. It is a relationship. And when we see God that way, everything changes. Everything changes. And so practice this week, Abba, Father, because when we view God differently, we will approach him differently. Let's pray. Abba, Father, you are loving and you are kind. Thank you for coming near through the finished work of Jesus. Thank you for coming near and whispering in our ears that we are enough. Thank you for whispering in our ears. That, that, that you love us, that thank you for whispering in our ears that I am not like your earthly father. Thank you for whispering in our ears that I have made a way for you to talk to me at any time, at 3 in the morning, at 4 in the morning, at 10, and eight, 10 a.m. in the morning, at 12 o'clock at night. Thank you for creating the space and the way for us to talk to. You are a good, good father. And we submit our lives to you because you know more about us than we do. You know more about what it takes to live this life than we do. And so we submit our lives to you afresh. We submit our families to you afresh. We submit our careers to you afresh. We submit our futures to you afresh. And we say, draw us near God by the power of your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name, all of God's people said together, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.